Thank you, John. Thank you, Brian. In our evening services at the moment, we're working our way through the Ten Commandments. We come to number four tonight, which is observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Long, long list of people who were to observe the Sabbath. Anyone know who was missing from that list? Anyone spot the missing person? The words are addressed to a, a single uh, individual, a male. Anyone spot who wasn't included in the long list of people who were to observe the Sabbath? His wife doesn't get a mention. You're absolutely right. Son, daughter, servants, ox, donkey, animals, foreigner, everyone but the wife. Uh, cynically, you might say that everyone gets a day of rest every week, except the wife and mother. As we all know, she gets a day of rest every year on Mother's Day when she works twice as hard because that's when the family come to visit. But it makes you wonder about the practicalities of the commandment. If everybody gets a day of rest, what gets done? Nothing. Uh, the, the Jews are good at this. They, they have all sorts of ways of ensuring that the Sabbath is a day of rest for everybody. But practically in our society, if someone is resting, somebody else has to be working to enable that person to rest. It has to work that way. Um, so do we think back to the, the kind of good old days, as they were called, where the head of the household puts his feet up reading the paper, the children aren't allowed to go outside or have fun, but are required to do something quiet, like reading a book, uh, while the lady of the house facilitates that rest uh, for the remainder of the family. That's not the Sabbath that Moses had in mind. Sunday's day of rest. I, ha I have to confess, there were times when I was irritated with one of my deacons in another church who would frequently, in the prayer before the service, thank God for this day of rest uh, that, that we could enjoy together. And we think, it's all very well for you, mate. Uh, but it was a day of rest for him. He was in a demanding and tiring job, and for him, it was a day of rest. But it wasn't a day of rest for me. And I think you might have objections if I said, Sunday's my day of rest, you won't see me, I'm taking that as my day off uh, each week. Um, it wouldn't go down very well. Um, but then I think about how many people work together to put together a morning service here at Brighton Road. It's less of an evening service, but actually people working to, to make services happen. You're looking for an average morning service of at least 40 people working extremely hard so that we can come together and celebrate in God's presence. There's the preacher, there are those who lead worship, there are those who pray, there are those who read, who sing, who play instruments prepare and operate the AV and sound system behind the scenes, taking the offering, welcoming, being available to pray with people after the service, serving coffee and washing up, preparing communion and washing up, uh, teaching and helping in Sunday club, tidying up after everyone goes. Thank you, Nigel. Um, and after all that, editing the service to go on CD or podcast. It's not a day of rest for a lot of people, actually, is it? Um, all that happening so that people can come here and find a sense of rest in God's presence. And I'm acutely conscious, Sunday by Sunday, that I'm the only one who gets paid for doing all that, my bit. Everybody else does that in their free time or their spare time as a volunteer, and we are deeply grateful to you. Day of rest, church can be hard work, can't it? It's better than it was, if I can say that. Talk to people who say, well, church used to be kind of morning service, afternoon Sunday school, evening service, youth after church. It was, it was busier than other days of the week sometimes. We've learned some lessons there. 
but we recognise that for some people to be refreshed and renewed, others have to work hard. And I'm great, deeply grateful to the dozens of you who give of your time freely and generously to celebrate the Sabbath day and keep it holy so that we can come and be refreshed and renewed in God's presence. So how should we observe the Sabbath then, actually? What should we do, apart from coming to church, or in addition to coming to church? The commandment simply talks about not working and resting. And at times that's been rather rigidly enforced. I've always felt more than a bit sorry for the Israelite who was stoned to death for collecting sticks on the Sabbath day. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 15. It seems an excessively harsh punishment to me. Uh, We might rationalise that and say, well, perhaps he did it out of a callous, defiant disregard for the Lord, but we can only speculate as we try and make sense of a punishment which actually seems totally out of proportion uh, to the crime that was committed. And the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were quite rigorous about enforcing the Sabbath. Jesus got into trouble with his disciples for allowing them to pluck ears of corn from a field and rub them between their hands to get rid of the husks so that they could eat them. They were hungry, but that was classified as work. In that case, a concern to keep the commandments had led to a very specific and careful definition of what work entailed. But the outcome looks and feels extremely legalistic to us. As if a commandment that was supposed to be liberating in terms of ensuring that everybody got a day off work, once placed in the hands of the religious authorities, became restrictive. You are not allowed to do this, that or the other. And if Sabbath observance meant people had to go hungry, then maybe the Sabbath observance was no longer a benefit to those who were observing it. Jesus said, didn't he, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And he made the point it was supposed to be a good thing. It was supposed to enhance life, to benefit people by observing it, rather than making life difficult or arduous or awkward. The point is, perhaps, that there is more to life than productivity. There's more to life than being busy. You need, actually, to find places to have a rest and be still. And people like me, who don't cope well with periods of idle inactivity, need to take that on board. Having space, being still, being calm, being refreshed. There's nothing wrong with that. Really, when you think about it, we are woefully inefficient beings. We are not designed for intense productivity. Fully one-third of our time needs to be spent in bed asleep, for goodness sake. How inefficient is that? It's less for some of us, I know. But for most of us, a third of our time is spent doing that. What about the amount of time that we can or should or do spend at meals? People talk about, a lot about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet. It's not that they eat more healthily than we do, they just take longer over their food than we do. And if you're not pausing for rests during the day to eat and linger over food and let it go down and digest, then that is a shortcut to stress and to illness. How much time do you spend 
over your meals each day. This is all part of the Sabbath principle, actually in the course of busyness, to have times of rest and renewal. We need time to recharge our batteries and the command to take one day in seven in order to abstain from work takes account of that. The principle is one of uh, having a routine of downtime. A day a week, a period in each day, some time where we are able to draw in again in order to be able to give out. So we don't burn ourselves out or run on empty. And I find myself wondering what it means to rest. My dictionary talks about repose, tranquility, or refreshing inactivity. Sounds like a posh way of describing doing nothing to me. It's frequently observed that the fourth commandment is the first positive commandment. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is something you should do rather than just being a negative commandment. Don't do any work. How do we observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy? What does it mean not to work in a way that is helpful and constructive and beneficial for us? Having free time is all very well, but what do you do with it? It's been pointed out that in many cases, increased free time does not bring us time for rest and celebration. In fact, we may experience dread of free time because it threatens our lives with boredom and loneliness. We may settle for nothing more than the dreariness of dragging through the weekend with the help of TV, fast food meals, a few beers, and extra sleep. What do we do with that space when it's there? How do we derive benefit from it? Is that the kind of Sabbath God had in mind? I doubt it. Part part of setting the day aside and making it holy is ensuring that the time is well spent, not frittered away or wasted. There will be times when what you need more than anything else is just to spend the afternoon in bed or soak up some sunshine or switch off in front of the television. But there will be other times when doing that just exhausts you even more because it doesn't build you up. It's just time that's that's just wasted without any input that's of value. There is a middle way between lapsing into lazy inactivity and treating Sunday like any other busy day, or any day off like any other busy day. I sometimes find myself wishing that the Bible talked about recreation rather than rest. Because recreation is about recreation, about being renewed and restored and refreshed and reinvigorated. And that might be by sitting down and reading a book. That might be by taking an afternoon nap. But recreation covers a whole host of different things as well. Leisure, play, sport, exercise, fun, relief, entertainment, relaxation, enjoyment, distraction, amusement, diversion, refreshment, pastime, hobbies, beer and skittles. I'm not saying you should forget about church and fill your Sundays with these things instead, but the principle here is in the course of the week you should build in time to do things that restore your soul. Whether that's lying down in the field, walking beside a river, or doing something a bit more energetic or sociable than that. The Sabbath principle 
was designed to liberate us into doing things that are good for us and that we enjoy and doing them with a clear conscience without feeling we need to be doing something constructive or achieving or that's worthwhile or that produces something or that meets some kind of target or goal. The point of Sabbath is that we're not driven by the need to achieve, to produce, to succeed. It's a time when we can be who we are and do what we enjoy doing. It builds a holy day, a holiday, into our weekly schedule. I've had slides that I've ignored. Sabbath rest, the important principle. Is it just about spending the day in a hammock? It's about leisure, recreation, being restored, having a break, finding stuff that is therapeutic, that meets our life needs. And holiday, our word holiday, is holy day. It is a day that is set aside. It's a day to be different. It's a day of the break from the routine. And we set aside that day to God. Whatever we do, we do it to honour him because it is a holy day. This moves us away from the false idea that we can set aside part of Sunday to God, come to church, tick the religious box and do the rest of the week without him. Clearly as a minister, I'm quite a fan of people coming to church as a way of people touching base with God on a weekly basis. Um, But actually, that's not the God bit of our week. Our work is dedicated to God and offered to him as an act of worship. And our free time as well is also part of our worship to God. Part of the dedication of that part of our lives to him too. On a day off, I've learned over the years that I have a better day off if I offer it to God at the beginning and ask him to help me make the most of it and to live it well. Because any day, I tend to work better if I ask God to direct my course of action through each day. All of life belongs to God. Not just the Sunday evening, not just the work, not just the leisure, everything. And the Sabbath is there to stop work taking over, as it is prone to do in today's society, particularly when we are accessible through our mobile phones, and to remind us that we need, we are entitled to, we should take periods of recreation, and that we honour God by doing that, and we honour God in finding ways that we do that, that nourish our souls and renew our spirits. So recreation should renew you physically, intellectually, and spiritually. Take time to renew your mind. Take time to refresh your body. Take time to restore your soul. Tim Keller talks about three different kinds of rest. He talks about recreational rest. Disappeared, lost it. That's something that really refreshes and renews your energy levels. The Puritans and others, there we go, back again. No? Anyway, whatever. You'll have to take my word for it, there would be words on the screen. There is recreational rest. This is something that really refreshes and renews your energy levels. You'll do it. Thank you, Richard. Recreational rest, grand. I'll put that to one side. The Puritans and others were sceptical of recreations that required spending a great deal of money and exertion because those types of recreations exhaust people. 
find a recreation that really refreshes you, something you do that you enjoy, that invigorates you and restores you and gives you fresh energy. Find out what it is. Build it into your routine. Do it and enjoy it. The Sabbath is God's gift to you. Find a way of enjoying that and thanking him for it and celebrating him in how you engage in recreational rest. There is aesthetic rest. That involves exposing yourself to works of God's creation, again, that renew your soul. Things which you find beautiful. Things which which you go, wow, that is amazing. That is fantastic. That is something I admire. It could be outdoor things. It could be art. It could be music. It could be drama. It could be something visual. You, You are enjoying the goodness of God's world and celebrating human creativity. And then there's contemplative rest. Spiritual rest. Prayer, worship, reading the scriptures, listening to God. These things form the basis for inner rest and provide time away from the more exhausting exertions of life. Jesus is Lord of your body, of your mind, of your spirit. And all three dimensions are there to be refreshed and renewed through Sabbath rest. People have different expectations about how to observe Sundays. Some of you who are here tonight were here this morning as well. And for us, twice as, church on Sunday is part of our routine. For others of us, church jostles for space in our busy lives as we have so much to fit into our weeks and into our weekends. Most ministers, and on occasion, I do it as well, we grumble about the way in which many people seem to church, treat church as an optional extra. I'll fit it in as and when there's time in my schedule. And it's often been observed that regular church attendance used to be twice a week. It's now once every couple of months for some people. But I recognise I need to be careful because the Apostle Paul warns about criticising and judging others in Romans 14. He says, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Someone else treats every day the same. Everyone needs to make their own mind up over this. The person who regards one day as being special does so out of reverence for God. The implication is that somebody else lives every day for God. Don't judge each other or look down on each other. Honour God. But I think that church actually should be part of doing that. At some point in your week, There should be time for doing something like this. Church should be an important part of our routine because it helps keep us close to God and to each other and we encourage each other to live the rest of our life for God as we go into tough situations where it can be really difficult to live as a Christian. We come to church to be renewed and resourced to live the rest of the week effectively for God wherever he sends us, whatever we do for him. It is space for the spiritual part of us to be restored. But actually, church happens wherever two or three people gather in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to be here at 10.30 on a Sunday morning or at 6.30 on a Sunday evening. Church is like Martini. It can happen anytime, any place, anywhere. And I'm aware that if, if I resort to try and make people feel guilty if they don't come to church, then that's just denying the gospel. 
actually. That is not what the gospel is about. But I do want to say uh, that if you're not here at 10.30 on a Sunday or 6.30 on a Sunday and you're not finding time in the week at any other point to meet with Christians either, then that's not good for you spiritually. That's not finding space actually to be renewed in your soul spiritually by being in the presence of God. You need to find time each week to be with others in Jesus' name. And that might be at a church service, that might be sitting around uh, reading the Bible together, that might be praying together, whatever it is, but you need that to be part of your week. Some of us, once a week is enough, others of us, the demands are such, we need it more frequently than that. But if you know that the pressures on your time are such that weeks can go by without you meeting other Christians, then there's a real danger that that can chip away at your faith and lower the level of your trust in God. If that's the case, and you know that there's a temptation or a pressure for God just to get squeezed out of your schedule, then I'd urge you to make Sunday church a priority in your diary and fit everything else around that. Because that's one of the areas where what Jesus said about seeking the kingdom of God first and everything else being added to you applies. Sometimes in the mystery of the way the kingdom works, setting time aside for God means somehow that there's time for everything else. Whereas if you don't set time aside for God, somehow there's no time for anything at all. Seek God's kingdom first. Let everything else find its natural place. But however you do it, whenever you do it, whatever you do to do it, set aside Sabbath time. Set aside time for recreation, for aesthetic rest, for spiritual rest. Find the time to meet with others and allow God to restore you body, mind and spirit. We live in an immensely pressured society and we cannot keep giving out without taking in. The principle of Sabbath is there to say, Take the time to rest, to be renewed, to be restored, to take it in. God is Lord of every part of your life, your body, your mind, your spirit. Do your work for him. Make time to meet with other Christians. Offer your leisure time to him and allow him to use that to refresh you, to equip you with what you need to live your life the best you can for him and those around you. So let's pray. Lord, we started our service by thinking of how you're a good, good father. And a good father enjoys spending time with his children. And a good father loves his children not for what they do or what they achieve or how hard they try to please him, but just loves them 
because that's in his heart. Lord, thank you that that's in your heart for us. Keep us from falling into the trap of thinking we need to work really, really hard to earn your pleasure. That's not the gospel. You delight in us. We're saved by grace, not by how well we do or how hard we try, but because you love us and you accept us and you welcome us and you forgive us. In your Son, Jesus Christ. And you liberate us into living our lives for you. Offering our work to you. Enjoying being with others in your presence. Being renewed in our spare time. As we offer that to you as well. Thank you that the good news of Jesus Christ is liberating and renewing and refreshing. Forgive us for those times where we've imposed rules and regulations and made it restrictive and taken the core out of it. Lord, bring us back to the good news that you gave your Son, you send your Spirit to set us free to be your children. Help us to live our lives out of that identity of being children of your grace and of your love given to us in Christ. For it is his name, in his name we pray. Amen.